Scripture reading this evening will be read from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. We appreciate your presence tonight, especially in light of the weather and the potential of more bad weather coming our way. And so we are going to be having an abbreviated worship service tonight. And I appreciate so much your willingness to come out tonight. I know that, uh, I know that the streets right now, hopefully and prayerfully, are safe and it's my prayer that we'll all get home safely, but the temperature has dropped to about 30, 31 degrees, and so we want to try to get everyone home safe and sound. And Brother D.O. was talking to me about trying to abbreviate our service just a little bit, and Billy was going to cut, cut out one, I think, stanza of each song, so he threw me a curve. I wasn't expecting uh, to cut out a song, and so, you know, sometimes you fall into a routine. And I was thinking we had another song, and so anyway, you have to always be prepared. It's good to see the Gordons with us tonight. Uh, we're glad that Brother and Sister Gordon are with us tonight. Brother Gordon is one of the elders at Luxahoma, and they are great, great people, and we appreciate and love them very much. Appreciate the work that is going on down there. Uh, Brother Tim Burroughs is the preacher there, and we, we are very thankful for that good work. Uh, I do want to mention just very quickly, uh, Jordan read our passage tonight, and I mentioned something about the potential for bad weather tomorrow, and I said that I know some of our young folks are wanting to be out of school tomorrow, and when I said that, Jordan, of course, uh, was very excited, and I told him just a minute ago, I said, Jordan, I'm not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet, but I can tell you right now, you're not going to have school tomorrow. Now, it may be the case that you have school. And that, being the, that being the case, then, then I'm in trouble. But nonetheless, uh, I don't think that you have to worry about school tomorrow. Tonight, as we look at Hebrews chapter 11, let me just very quickly share with you some thoughts about the life of a man who saw him who is invisible. The person I'm talking about, of course, is Moses. And Moses was the great leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel. And God called upon Moses to lead his people out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses had to make some choices in life. The choices that he made in life ultimately determined, to a great extent, his destiny. Not only did Moses have to make some choices in life, but he demonstrated great courage in life. Then ultimately, as a result of his life of faith, he looked to a reward. And I think about that crown that he anticipated after life was over. Very quickly, look with me if you would, first of all, to some of the choices that he had to make in life. The Bible says in verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, 
was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about Moses and the fact that he grew up in the household of Pharaoh's daughter. But you can go back and you can read Exodus chapters 1 and 2 and you'll see the background and the circumstances that led to Moses being reared in that household. Moses forged a relationship with Almighty God. And based on that relationship with God, the Bible says he saw him who is invisible. As a result of that, he demonstrated what I believe to be the wisdom of faith. The wisdom of his faith was reflected in the fact that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The Bible goes on to say, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater treasures, or riches rather, than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked for the reward. We talk about the wisdom of faith. The wisdom of faith in the life of Moses, Moses was reflected in the fact that he turned his back, first of all, on his own parent. That is, his adopted parent. You have to understand that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was mighty in words and deeds, according to Acts chapter 7. Here was a guy that had the world at his fingertips, heir possibly to the throne. And he walks away from all of that. And then add to that the fact that not only did he turn his back on his parent, but on the pleasures of life. The Bible says that he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy, note if you would, the passing, the temporary pleasures of sin. It takes a lot of wisdom to understand that this world will one day pass and all the things associated with it. We talk about the pleasures that he could have enjoyed in this life. And yet, as a result of seeing him who is invisible, he understood those things were temporary. They are here today and gone tomorrow. You remember Jesus asked the question on one occasion, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? He then asked, What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I want to just very quickly mention the fact that the Hebrew writer acknowledges that sin can be pleasurable. I don't think any of us would deny that. I know that Moses would not deny that. And yet, even though we might find enjoyment and gratification in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, as John said in 1 John chapter 2, those things are passing away. So what we have to do, 
rather than hooking our wagon to the world, forge a relationship with Almighty God. And then note, if you would, in verse 26, the writer talks about the potential of the prosperity that he could have enjoyed in his lifetime. He said he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. There are a lot of people in our world today, it's all about the money. It's all about the material goods. It's all about what this life has to offer. There are some folks given the choice would say, you know what? I'm going to enjoy to the fullest the treasures that the Egyptian court has to offer. But not Moses. Moses could see through that. And again, I think about what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26. What you have to understand is that the world, that which is temporal and transitory, cannot compete with that which is eternal. Because one day this life will pass and everything with it. So what's most important is that we live a life of faith and that we demonstrate the wisdom of faith. Let me also just very quickly cite for you his walk of faith. In verse 28 of chapter 11, the Bible tells us that he looked to God. In verse 28, a reference is made to the Passover. Of course, this took place while Moses and the children of Israel were in Egyptian bondage. They were under the throes of Pharaoh and God used the Passover to deliver his people by killing the firstborn. Those that did not have the blood on their doorpost and the lentil. So in verse 28, the writer said, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. God said in Exodus chapter 12, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It took faith for Moses and the children of Israel to obey this command. In their obedience to this command, they were spared. They lived. And then very quickly, look at verse 29. Here we have a reference to their leaving Egypt. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. God led his people out of Egyptian bondage just as he had promised. Pharaoh and his army were destroyed. In chapter 15 of the book of Exodus, we have a song of praise to God because of that great deliverance. And God, in his word, tells us that he led his people by day, by a pillar of cloud. By night, he led them by a pillar of fire. So not only did he look to God, but he was led by God. And today the Lord leads us by his word. You remember the psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. 
There's a second thing I want to call your attention to very quickly. It has to do with his courage. In verse 25, the Bible tells us that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. In verse 26, it says he esteemed the reproach or the reviling of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. We go back and we talk about the choices that he made. Behind those choices, courage. The courage to identify with the people of God, the courage to stand with the people of God and to stand up for God. Moses suffered because he affiliated himself with Almighty God and His people. There are two ways that we can suffer. One is physically and the other is mentally. Moses was persecuted physically and mentally. As a matter of fact, that word reproach as used by the Hebrew writer carries with it the idea of defamation. Some translations might use the word reviling. The word also carries the idea to upbraid, to cast into one's teeth. You remember what Peter said about Jesus? When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. There were a lot of folks that cast insults into the face of Jesus. I think about the taunting that Moses had to endure. I think about when Moses and Aaron stood before Pharaoh. On the one hand, Pharaoh would say, you know what, I'm going to let you go, and then he'd change his mind and wouldn't let him go. Pharaoh was an infidel. Moses would tell us in Exodus chapter 1 that there arose a new king in Egypt that knew not Joseph. In other words, he did not know the, the God of Joseph. This is the very king or very Pharaoh that Moses had to stand before. Now here's what Paul said pertaining to all of us today who would live for the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he said, All who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Aren't you thankful that we live in a land that allows us religious freedom? What if that freedom were stripped? What if we no longer enjoyed the blessings that we have today to serve God openly, to talk to other people about our faith, I understand that we are living in a country that is eroding morally and spiritually speaking. It may be the case that some of those rights will be taken from us in the future. If that's the case, will we be as bold in our service to God? Will we continue to live a consecrated life for the Lord? Moses had to make a choice in life. He made that choice. Behind that choice was courage. The courage to be faithful. 
Jesus said, be faithful until death or in the face of death. And the promise is the crown of life. Today we have that hope, that possible crown of life. Let me just very quickly now talk to you about the crown that Moses was looking for. Listen again to what it said in verse 26. The Bible says, He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. When I look at the life of Moses, I think about somebody that had to make some choices in life. Behind those choices was a lot of courage. Ultimately, his desire was to reap a reward. He understood God would bless him. When you go back and you read the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see God through Moses laying before the children of Israel the opportunity to make choices. They could choose life or death. God wanted them to choose life. Moses made the right choices in life. He was a man of tremendous courage. And the Bible says that he looked to the reward. Every decision that we make in this life, we ought to ask the question, what I'm about to do is it going to draw me closer to my home in heaven? Or is it going to potentially lead me farther away from that home in heaven? Every decision that we make, I understand that some decisions we make in life are very minute. But in the grand scheme of things, the decisions that we make in this life ultimately will determine our destiny. So, when we make decisions, are they going to bring me closer to God or lead me away from God? James said, draw near to God. The promise being, he'll draw near to you. There are a lot of folks that make poor decisions in this life. For every action, there's a corresponding reaction. Sadly, some folks, they make terrible, terrible decisions in life. As a result of that, they suffer any number of consequences. Sometimes those consequences are physical in nature. Sometimes they are mental in nature. And then most importantly, sometimes those consequences are spiritual in nature. Moses saw him who is invisible. How did he do that? Through the eye of faith. How do we see him who is invisible? Through the eye of faith. How do we look to the reward through the eye of faith? You remember when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth? He said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. He said, the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. I want to encourage all, all of us to look at life through an eternal lens. Every decision that we make ought to be made in light of what the Bible has to say. 
Think for just a minute. The people that I choose to associate with, are they going to help me gain my reward? Or potentially, will they cause me to lose my reward? Why do you think the early church spent so much time in fellowship based on Acts 2.42? There is a lot to be said for being around people of like precious faith. It is a privilege to be around people that think like we think. To be around people that do things that we enjoy doing. That act like we act. Here's what Paul said almost 2,000 years ago. Evil companionship corrupts good morals. There are a lot of folks in our world today that have aligned themselves with the wrong kinds of people and they're paying a heavy price for it. So we talk about the decisions that we make and the impact of those decisions reflected in our associations. And then also, what about our activities? The things that we do. I mentioned a moment ago, the passing pleasures of sin. There are a lot of folks in our world today. It's all about the here and now. And they're doing things that, biblically speaking, we know. God does not approve of. In doing those things, it is leading them down a dead-end road. So the activities that we engage in, hopefully and prayerfully, we're engaging in those kinds of activities that will bring us closer to God. That's why you can't put a premium on coming to worship and Bible study. You can't put a premium on spending time in God's word or praying to him. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The promise is they shall be filled. It's all about, it's all about where we want to be one day. Do we want to go to heaven? Do we want to enjoy the reward? Or are we willing to flirt with the danger of losing our eternal soul in a place the Bible calls hell? And then I think about our attitude. You know, our attitude says a lot about us. Think about Moses. He had to make a lot of choices in life. And, and yes, we might question his attitude from time to time. And, and really, when you look at the life of Moses, you see that he was a human being. He had his faults and his frailties. But he worked his way through those things and remained faithful to Almighty God. We have to, we have, to have the right attitude if we want to one day enjoy that reward. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, have this mind in you, 
which was also in Christ Jesus. Developing the mindset of Christ. I want to close by saying this. When I think about attitude, what comes to my mind is investing in a life that will yield tremendous dividends. Christianity and those of us that have made the decision to live for the Lord, what we've said is we're in this thing for the long haul. This is not some kind of short-term deal, but rather we're in this thing until death. Just like when we set our marriage vows, those of us that are married, we said, till death do us part. Well, as a child of God, what we're saying is we're going to be faithful until death. And then we go home to be with the Lord. The Bible says that Moses looked to the reward. What about you tonight? Do you have awaiting you a reward. You know, if I were to tell people, if you'll come to worship services and Bible study three times a week, I can assure you that you'll have a large, large, large sum of money in the bank. If you'll come to Bible study and worship services three times a week and read your Bible every day, you'd be, ama you'd be amazed at how big your bank account would, would become. A lot of folks would buy into that, wouldn't they? I mean, if it was a monetary thing, and people thought, you know what, if we, if, if we as a family, or if I as an individual came, and this is what I would receive, we couldn't fill. We couldn't fill a hundred buildings in this area. Everybody would want in. Well, let me tell you what. There's something far greater than money and materialism. We come to worship and Bible study three times a week. We invest in living the Christian life because we understand there's something that lies ahead. And it far outweighs anything this world has to offer. It's called eternal life. If you don't have eternal life, I don't know any other way to say it than to say this. You don't have anything, nothing. So, do you have eternal life? Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, John 10, 10. If you're here this evening and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. Come tonight. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, repenting of every sin, confessing his name before others, and being immersed in a watery grave of baptism. The Bible says that when you do that, every sin will be washed away, Acts 2.38. That you will be added to the body of Christ, Acts 2.47. And you will live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. I hope that if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you'll come. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful to his cause, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. Come tonight. I can't promise you riches or material goods or fame or anything else. But I can promise you this. If you'll come to Christ and you'll live a faithful life, you'll have a reward. You'll be with God one day forevermore. Would you come as we stand and sing?